welcome to the IGN UK podcast, the only podcast dedicated to finding out the shape and width of the red M&M's dick, if indeed <laughs> he has one. My name's Joe Scrabbles, I'm joined by Dale Driver. Hello, I'm back off my honeymoon. That's still going on? No, I just brought it back. Okay. I just remembered enough. that I got obsessed with it. Oh, right. I haven't looked up uh, DeviantArt for it. But you should I, never look up DeviantArt. I could do it now on the work Wi-Fi. Mm, probably not. Nah. Nah. And Matt Perslow. Hello. Hello. You're right. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Because the reason I ask how you are is because you've seen a load of really shit <laughs> films recently <laughs> that we're yeah. going to talk about. Yeah, you've submitted me to a couple of stinkers. I uh, didn't submit you. The job did. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, yeah. it's all right because you had to deal with and you had to write the review of it as well. I did. I think you've... I'm possibly thinking what you've seen is the worst out of the ones we're going to discuss today. Uh, well, let's let's jump straight to okay. it. Men in Black International. It's a fucking disgrace. <laughs> um, that, that Better film is. or worse than Men in Black 2? Oh, it's... You know, I think it's more offensively boring. Okay. Like, so Men in Black 2 <laughs> has moments I remember. Right. Despite it being years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And obviously I was younger and impressionable. And as I've said before... Uh, maybe not on the podcast Men in Black 1 is kind of like my Jurassic Park for a lot of people yeah, you know how it's that, there yeah. like 11 or 12 year old gets obsessed with a film yeah. that was it for me did, you, did they do merch for Men in Black did you have like lots of little noisy crickets the only and one I re- neuralizer <laughs> the only one I remember is a McDonald's toy that was kind of like a mood ring but it was like you put your fingerprint on it and it told you whether you're an alien <laughs> um, it feels like a missed opportunity though to not do yeah, loads of merch I'm sure there was a little LED in a, in a tube I mean, that's all, a neuralizer all those right? guns are, look like toy guns yeah, anyway I'm just an appreciator of the form of cinema I don't need the accoutrement <laughs> Um, so, like, I was super. I am super into the original Men in Black, and yeah, Men in Black Two gets a lot wrong. Yeah, but it has stuff in it. I barely remember Men in Black International. I saw it two weeks ago. Oh my god! Like, it's so fucking boring. <laughs> like, they've yeah. sanded off every rough edge. I think what a lot of people forget about Men in Black is that the first one there was a lot about race, mm-hmm. not like bashing you over the head but it was there yeah uh there was like really grimy weird like heads exploding and like ribbons of goop coming out of people and like just gross stuff like it was a real like it was a product of the 90s in that way and this one's just so clean like everyone's so sexy and nothing bad Uh. happens to anyone and like even the bad guys are just made of gas so like even when Spoiler, the bad guys die. Um, <laughs> like, even when they die, it's like nothing. They just dissipate. And that's kind of a metaphor for the whole film. It's just there's nothing to grab onto. There's nothing to enjoy. The thing I loved about the first one, I think the most, was the like this mystery organisation just finding out about them and finding what makes them up. Like, yeah. is there any... Like, in the sequels, I felt like you never really got that satisfaction. So this is a weird thing because Men in Black International is not a reboot. It's what um, someone really cleverly, I can't remember what it was, um, that's rude of me, but someone put it quite well, this like new rash of step sequels, mm-hmm. this idea of sequels that are a part of the universe, but they're apart from the stories that were originally in yeah, that Yeah, they're not quite spin-offs, they sort of are in tandem exactly. with everything else. Yeah, and this, it's tailor-made. Like, it's a step sequel, but it acts like a remake because the story and the setup is essentially the same. Like, right down to the fact, like, it all centers on the Eiffel Tower, which was built for a World's Fair, which is what the Queen's World Fair thing is about in the first one. Like, all of this stuff is so similar. Um, And it starts with Tessa Thompson's character is a young girl who didn't get neuralized when she should have been. 
as a kid and spends her whole life looking for the men in black. Oh, okay. And then when she gets to them, which is bafflingly easy, <laughs> um, like, I'll accept she's a genius. In the same way that Will Smith is like a physical genius, she's a mental genius. Right, okay. This, right? When she gets there, they're just kind of like, yeah, good. All right, in you come. And <laughs> oh. then she's immediately off on a mission and knows more than everyone else. She doesn't have stuff. to do the test. She does, but it's all off screen. Like, the only thing we see is Emma Thompson looking at a screen going like, firearms test, 97%. Arithmetic test, 98%. And you're just like... That was one of the best scenes in the original exactly. Men in Black. The whole point of Men in Black is learning how this thing works yeah. and what that means in the context of the real world. Like them actually going and fighting is kind of ancillary to the fact that what you're actually doing is learning about the organisation. Yeah. And this one, they have another great opportunity, which is, how does Men in Black work in a different country? Yeah. Turns out, it's exactly the fucking <laughs> same. Like, it's so annoying. I was just sitting there, like, pissed off at I how much I haven't seen it, but I'm going to assume, is the Men in Black office... Is it classic Men in Black office, but there's a lot more walnut wood panelling? It, it's actually more um, art deco-y. So okay. it's, it has its I'm own into style. It's, I'm into nice. design then. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not straight up. It's a brick. It's not the Houses of Parliament, yeah. which can you basically I, expect. Can I guess where the secret entrance? You is? can. It's in London, right? It's basically yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so is it like in on a tube station somewhere? Okay, so they come. That's half right because the way you get from New York to London is on a tube train. Okay, but it goes under the Atlantic at incredible <laughs> oh. speed. Right. When I saw that, I was like, good, right, this is getting it right. This is Men in Black being weird with the stuff. Uh, the way you actually get in is through an old typewriter shop. Oh, thank God. <laughs> One of London's many typewriter shops. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crap. Like, it, it's not even... There's nothing to, like, hate. It's just nothing. It's just a... It's a mirror. Right, like yeah. You're just like, fuck, it's so boring. You're Great. just looking at nothing for two hours. Is there hours. anything that sort of connects to the previous ones apart from the, the idea of a men in black there is a painting of jnk on the wall oh. fighting the bug <laughs> so and yeah. emma thompson's in it from men yeah. in black 3 which is an underrated film would you say it's worth watching on a plane or nope. just avoid full stop it will make the plane ride seem longer <laughs> okay. yeah. considering the journeys that we are quite often on i don't want those to be any longer <laughs> yeah. it's terrible um right. what shit films are you seen matt uh so i guess the big one would be x-men dark phoenix oh <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> it's currently uh predicted to lose fox 100 million dollars oh i'm God. sure disney what? are happy with that what a way to go out eh? yeah <laughs> So, uh, Dark Phoenix is, as I think everybody knows, we've already had a Dark Phoenix movie mm -hmm. without that name, uh, which was The Last Stand, um, which was... The I, previous yes. Little Watermark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, actually, so, I no, think Apocalypse... I Apocalypse, yet. Apocalypse, yeah. I think, is... It, it's not just, like, the worst X-Men movie. I think it's the worst movie that has ever come from a Marvel property. I hate that film. Much like Men in Black. I cannot remember anything that happens in that film. And this one is like, that one's supposed to be all about huge spectacle. And yeah, Oscar yeah. Isaac's purple in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it and I have no memory of all Can the scenes. Can you not remember the horrendous Outswitch scene? Where like no, Magneto basically destroys Outswitch in the most tone-deaf fucking thing <laughs> I've ever seen. I have no memory of it. No, not at all. So... It's not quite that bad. Okay. So let's say that's a two. Okay. We're into three and a half, four territory with okay. with uh, Dark Phoenix. So it is a it is a retelling with the new X Men cast of the Dark Phoenix saga, and we start off with um, the X Men now do space missions for some reason. Why not? They just apparently just the jet can go into space now. Wait, what? 
Yeah, they do that now. It's, they're not just the protectors of humanity. Oh, like Thunderbird 3. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds yes. quite good. <laughs> exactly that. So they go into space. There's a big fucking solar flare going on. All goes a bit wrong because, you know, they want to get in a little bit over their heads. And Jean Grey is convinced that she can save some people in space. Uh, gets infected by this massive solar flare, which obviously is the Phoenix Force. And then basically she just gets a bit miserable and, and decides that she doesn't like people. And teams up with Jessica Chastain. Who is who is just there for? It almost it it feels very much like we need an antagonist to make right. sure that she sort of tips over the balance. So we're just at Jessica Chastain, in who has no personality. You pick Chastain, one of one of you know the best sort of women actors that are out there at the moment, and she's got fuck all to do in it. She's so bland, almost like this vampiric sort of character. You know, very pallow faced you know completely white hair and what you see is what you get there is nothing more to it obviously in in between this you've got magneto comes into it who does exactly we had a comment (laughs) that was just like oh what is magneto gonna be good bad then good again (laughs) it's that but on the most muted level he's so disinterested and by the time when he does get involved and has decided that he's kind of with the the X-Men on the fact that sort of like okay i'm gonna make sure that gene gray doesn't go mental you get exactly the scene that I think I've seen so many times with Magneto is you're in a corridor he picks up 20 guns turns them on his enemies and starts shooting down the corridor and it's like every set piece in this I've seen before in in at least three different X-Men films and it sort of doesn't surprise me because it's Simon Kinberg that has written and directed this and he was involved in The Last Stand in The Last Stand And so it's kind of like, I get that he recognises, and we sort of spoke to him, and um, he's told me that he was like, I've worked on bad films before, so I recognise... <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I recognise the idea, and what I think he's referring to is is that he knows that he messed up a little bit in his involvement on Last Stand, yeah. and that this is his attempt to create something that's closer to the original sort of Chris Uh-oh. Claremont book. I mean, apart from the fact that it starts in space, <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot, and you know... I, I think like the Dark Phoenix is an interesting uh, kind of touch point for X-Men because it's it's very old now. You know, it's an early 80s comic book. And at the time when it came out, to have a character go completely bad with the Dark Phoenix sort of thing and then eventually sort of have to be sort of killed off from canon. Yeah. That was a bold thing to be doing back then because we hadn't quite hit the cycle of death and rebirth that comics were always going through. It's not a huge deal mm. anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it's. I don't think it is necessarily a story that we need to go with, especially when you only put Jean Grey into your last film. So she's not in the current continuity of X Men. She's not an established character. Uh, Sophie Turner isn't great. I was going to say, this. how is Sansa? So, yeah. <laughs> so nobody's great. And like Ma- McAvoy, I think McAvoy is always pretty good. But his whole thing in this is like he's become a bit too big for his boots. He's sort okay. of like, oh, I've I've taken the X Men from nothing to everything, and now people like us. They don't worry and fear about us. So I've done so much great, and sort of Jean Grey learns about how sort of like he has kind of meddled in her past a little bit, and that is supposed to be the tipping point for right. her. Okay. But for a film like the the Dark Phoenix saga is all supposed to be about the emotions of dealing with sort of going from being a superhero to becoming very very conflicted and then becoming a sort of supervillain character yeah there's no kind of exploration of that journey it is just kind of sophie turner looking a bit miserable and just going i can't do this anymore (laughs) she does do a bit of that in all her roles i was just interested when you mentioned simon kimberg it suddenly occurred to me 
uh, the the rogues gallery that is the directors <laughs> of the X-Men films. What like, have we got? Brian Singer, less said about him yes. than there. Brett Ratner, as we all know, hasn't done anything good since Rush Hour 2. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Gavin Hood, Shrug. What did, yeah. he, did he do Origins? Uh, he did Wolverine. So Wolverine Origins. No, the, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, not yeah. the Wolverine. Because that's man, that's Mangold, isn't it? Oh, that right, did okay, Wolverine yeah, and Logan. Right, yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. What has he done? Oh, he directed Ender's Game. Oh, God. Yeah, he's <laughs> Gavin Hood. Not so great. Matthew Vaughn, fair yes. play. Yeah. Came in, did one, fucked off, made something better. Made the best one. He uh, did. Wow, yeah. Post Class is the best X Men yeah. film. Mangold came in for the Wolverine. Mm. Bad start. Yeah. Came Logan back is up with the Wolverine's not that bad, though. Oh, it's it was okay, bad. I thought. It's, it's the bullet in- train sequence is okay. Yeah. I think that's all right. And I admire it choosing kind of that is a Frank Miller storyline, I think, yeah. that it pulls from, which is a good comic book. Um, I don't think it quite gets that that stuff with the is it the steel sound is it no the steel samurais from phoenix right oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've been playing a lot of phoenix right recently um but that kind of end sequence just descends into mad what you know the early 2000s port a comic book showdown should yeah. be logan though is an absolute fucking yeah. stone cold classic that is very good and is not really an X-Men film. Exactly, which is yeah. why I wouldn't count Tim Miller and David Leach for David Deadpool and Deadpool 2 on uh-huh. this list being correct either. And then it's Brian Singer again and then Simon Kimberg. So, yeah. no. kiss of yeah. death. As is. <laughs> so let's say that Fox, you know, the Fox X-Men universe is about to disappear. Did not have a good end. Well, you've got to assume the New Mutants has been chick-canned, right? <sighs> got it, it, they be. keep saying that it's coming out. That seems mad. At this point, they wouldn't just kill it off for a bit and let Disney work out what they're going to do. Yeah. I can very much see that being like a straight to Hulu kind of thing. Yes, yeah, I can I, see that. I don't think it's going to make it into cinemas. An upcoming American horror film in the superhero genre it's listed as. I don't see that being true. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems very odd. Yeah, so um, yeah. yeah, Dark Phoenix, not good. If yeah. you went to see Dark Phoenix, I uh, I feel sorry for you. Should have seen Booksmart. Ooh. He's back on his brilliant smart yeah. game. Brilliant. That's the film. thing. Yeah, brilliant. I'm not going to bang on about how good it is, but basically, all of the films that we are discussing today, don't go and see them. See Book Smart instead. You'll Absolutely. have a lovely Whatever time. you can do. Oh, Toy, Toy Story comes out today. Yeah, it does come out Very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We uh, gave that a good Do we movie. have any other shit films? We did. I went yeah. to see Brightburn as oh, well. Of course you did. <laughs> Fuck me, Brightburn's bad. Oh, Jesus. that's really disappointing. I know, right? I, I saw, I was watching all the trailer stuff, and I really thought I'd like this film. Yeah, so my problem with Brightburn is that. Um, so the premise obviously is Superman, but bad. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it's a kid that's kind of spo- very much the entire setup is set in Kansas. There's a couple that can't have a child. You know, find this this child in a spaceship, and and they take him on. But he goes bad, yeah. and that is you know it's the entire Clark Kent story, but in reverse. There have been plenty of DC comics that have dealt with that as a kind of what if scenario. And but it's not about him going into adulthood. It's just about him no, being a child. No, it's just about him as a yeah. child. But I think the the thing that it, it does is it is purely a slasher movie with the idea of, well, what if a child that could shoot lasers at his eyes and fly just went and killed like four or five people? Oh. And the thing is, is for me, the idea of Superman going bad, that is a catastrophic like worldwide problem yeah there is a really really good comic book that i can't remember what the publisher or writer or artist is i'm very (laughs) sorry but it's called irredeemable and it's again like brightburn it's not an official canon dc thing but it is very clearly a mockery of superman and the justice league and it's all about you know the justice league in that universe wronging superman and him just deciding you know what fuck all this (laughs) you're all doomed and it's the the catastrophic global 
uh, sort of comeuppance that happens mm. because of that. And it is really, really interesting. When you take a, what is effectively a god in a child's form and mm. just have him like kill a few people, literally that are part of his immediate family or immediate school circle, it's like it is just it might as well have just been a slasher because putting the superhero elements into it does yeah. nothing to enhance mm. that story. I would have genuinely rather seen a kid that was almost like a kick-ass thing that he was just like, yeah. you know what? I've seen the Punisher in a comic book. I'm going to go and kill people because of that. Yeah, That makes sense. When you put super heroic stuff, he is literally a god in human form. I sort of understand maybe the argument that, well, he doesn't know any better. So he only knows these individual people in his life. So he hasn't developed the idea of that the world has wronged him yet. Yeah. But it, it just makes for quite a dull film with very standard kind of deaths, even though it has... So it doesn't even work as a slasher film? Like take all the superhero not really, yeah. out of it? Not, not particularly. It's, it's just, it's actually really, really dull. Oh. Yeah. yeah which a shame. Is not what I expect out of. Obviously, James Gunn is not the writer-director on this. He's the producer. But the mm. Gunn family is very largely involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's his um, brother that's written it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Not I think Rocket Raccoon, brother. The no, other no, one. the other one. Yeah, it turns out there are loads of guns. <laughs> yeah. There's an armory of them. And a new Baldwins. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really disappointed in it. Yeah, ah, it's a, a shame. shame. That is a shame. Yeah, so you know, you should see Book Smart instead, shouldn't I? Or <laughs> you should have played Outer Wilds. Which oh well, I have oh, been playing a bit of Outer Wilds, Joe. Easily be uh, my game of the year. Oh, which is insane because I was saying that about Heaven's Vault uh, <laughs> about four weeks ago, and then Outer Wilds came along, and I think I like it even more. <laughs> it's insane. It's so a I've good game. Out, I've been out of the loop for a while. Tell me about Outer Wilds. It's a very good choice of uh, <laughs> choice of phrase there. Yeah. It's a game about a time loop. <laughs> okay. um, Outer Wilds is a game in which you... I, I've seen people say this is a spoiler, but I, do, I just don't think it is because it is the core mechanic well, of the, the time game. loop. Yeah. No, like you, you learn about that very, very quickly. 22 minutes in. Um, <laughs> so you, you start on a planet. It's called Timber Hearth. Okay. It's a tiny little... It's kind of not a lot bigger than like a Super Mario Galaxy level. Okay. Like it's a yeah. It's a sphere that you can walk all the way around if you can get out of this crater that your village is in. You're a little alien and you're in an alien village and the aliens have built a space program called Outer Wilds. Right. Okay. And they've got these rickety little wooden ships uh that are like really <laughs> shit and break all the time they literally take off from they've got a tree trunk that they've just carved and there's a guy that's like really worried about the fact that oh when you take off the afterburners might just burn the tree down oh we won't God. have the landing yeah. platform yeah. anymore and like, they've got there's these five astronauts have already gone out and this solar system is basically the size of like luton like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's genuinely like i think the furthest Hopefully not as bleak i think the furthest planet out is about 30 kilometers Right. So you've got this sense of like, it's a very condensed version of a solar system. And it doesn't really make much of that. It's just that it's travelable. And yeah. they've kind of played into that as a joke. Okay. Um, and all you're told to do is just leave, just go to space and look around. Uh, mm. And you're given, the only kind of direction you're given is, we've invented this new translator. And there's this language scrawled on the walls of lots of places in our solar system but we've never been able to translate it before so just go out and translate okay and so you get in your ship you learn how to fly it it's kind of rickety and crap and it's slightly hard to fly on purpose and you leave and you go wherever you want so i chose to go to the closest moon which is called the atle rock and i mm. landed on it and i met someone there I translated some stuff. I didn't really understand what I was doing. This isn't translation in the Heaven's Vault sense, by the say, way. It's, it an like it's an auto-translator. So right, you literally okay. walk up to stuff and it tells you what it says. Um, 
But hang on, weren't they saying like no one's ever translated this stuff? Well, so they was that easy? Well, no, they've got like a Rosetta Stone on the oh, planet, and it okay. kind of works. It's a computer right. that works it out. It's okay. a it's a MacGuffin. Okay. And I was on this moon, and I found this weird thing that was like seemed to be tracking other planets. And I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And then the sun went into supernova, and I died. <laughs> okay. And that was exactly tw- well, I think it's exactly twenty two minutes in. And then you wake up again, and you're in the same place as the start, except you remember the launch codes to your ship, so you don't have to do the tutorial that ah. gets you them. So I got straight back in my ship, and you realize that you're in a time loop, and you're not entirely sure why. Yeah. There's, a, there's a sense of why, um, but I won't give it that way, because that's kind of part of the story. It's like source code. Um, but it, ki- <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Because but it's getting a bit more out, information every time. Yeah, and working out why this disaster is happening. And, the his- and again very similar to Heaven's Vault. It's more about finding out the history of this place than it is finding out the story of what's happening to it now. So you find out that there's this other race that ended up in your solar system at some point in the past. Okay. And most of the game is finding out why they've built shit all over the solar system and what it does. Um, But you've always got this this certain amount of time. You've always got 22 minutes to do it. And the only things that carry over are your memories. So your computer... This is the fucking coolest mechanical thing in this game. Your computer has a map of the solar system and attached to that every planet or moon on that map or interstellar body is everything you've learned from that place. Okay. But then you can switch it to this thing called rumor mode and it gives you a essentially a mind map of everything you've learned in the game and how it connects to everything else. Okay. So cool. it's like... It looks like, a de- you know, when a detective's got all of yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, thing. yeah, yeah. And the more you find out, the more rumours fill this thing. Right. And you, you're not really solving anything. It's just going, here's the stuff you've learned. Like, put it together yourself. And as you go, you realise there's like this fucking enormous history to this solar system that you're piecing together at your own pace and finding out. And like, one place might go oh, we built this thing on another planet. So you're like, right, so that's connected. And then weird shit starts happening. Like, there's a black hole and it transports you to another place in the galaxy and you're like, the fuck just happened? Like, I had no idea <laughs> what's going on. That's the thing, because that black hole, like, are you... I'm I, not going to say what... I'm oh, not going to yeah, say yeah. what planet is in just so it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For everybody at home. But, like... I thought that I was fucked because I was just falling like this massive fall. There was no way I was going to protect myself from just end up going through a black hole. I'm just somewhere on the other side of the universe. And it's just like, oh, there's an entire new puzzle for me to solve. And that puzzle allows you to fire yourself back to where you were. Um, Like, and it's just the best way I've been able to describe it is to me, it's a game built entirely out of the feeling when, of when you first see a dragon in breath of the wild, you know, when you first, like the first one I saw was the the lightning one and it just came out of Lake Hylia and there was a little bit of music and it just flew over me and I had no fucking idea what was going on, <laughs> but I desperately wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. It's that, but over and over and over again because you'll find something, you'll be like, I have no fucking idea what this does, That's what good. it is, what it was made for. And now all I want to do is find out what that is. Do you always feel like you're making progress at like every loop? Do no, you, because can- part of the game is it's very easy and quite funny how you die. <laughs> so like <laughs> okay. the first time... Um, the first time I got in my ship, I was like, oh, there's a spacesuit. I'll put the spacesuit on. I wonder what that does. Uh, and then I flew off and I got out and then the time loop happened. The second time I got in, I got in, flew off, landed somewhere, got out of my ship and had forgotten to put my spacesuit on and just immediately died. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it's like really silly ways that you can just right, croak okay. each time. Mm-hmm. But this is 
that's part of the pleasure of it is that it's a, as much about you remembering and you getting used to how everything works. So you're not progressing in terms of story every time, but you're generally kind of learning something most right. times. And towards the end game, when there's there's a few sort of end game puzzles that are much much harder than anything else. And again, completely undirected. You have to find those things. It's kind of the witnessy, okay, like cool. this element of you know something has to be solved, but it's going to give you no quarter about how to do that. You just mm-hmm. have to do all the work. Um, but And that was the only time in the game where I was literally spending 20 minutes essentially doing nothing Wait. in, a, in a, a specific sense because what I was doing was testing, failing, testing, failing, right, testing, okay. failing. Um, it's fucking incredible. I've never... It, like, there is no genre for this game. Like, it doesn't... It's a puzzle game, but it's also an adventure game, but it's also a like time travel game like it's so much stuff it's i mean it sounds brilliant and you've intrigued me it's fucking great uh, man i just i just worry about is there moments where okay you're hitting the start again you're looping back again you're like oh right okay i've got to get through this first five I've, minutes of this before i do this again it's so quick repetition like, is basically when it was really about. when it was really when i was really stuck that was the only time where i felt a bit of that mm. but really all you're contending with is you wake up, you walk forwards, you go up a lift, you get in a ship, and then you put it on autopilot to get somewhere which takes less than a minute. Okay. Like So you're really kind of... And during that minute, I was getting up, looking at my rumour map, making sure I, I right. knew okay. what I wanted to do next. So you're kind of not wasting much time each time. Okay. Like it's pretty, it's pretty good about how it treats your time, yeah. considering you've got limited amounts. And um, you say you finished it? Yes. How long did it take you to finish it, roughly? I'd say... T- somewhere between 10 and 15 hours okay so like quite big then yeah wow. and, and i was really rinsing it i was trying to find out everything oh, okay I, I actually accidentally finished it without solving one of the major puzzles because oh. i just went in one direction it turns out that's the end of the game um so but i was allowed to restart the loop again okay i went and solved that puzzle and finished my map there but, multiple endings and different types of endings. no there's only one ending but you just wanted to get all the information i just yeah i wanted like that one piece of information yeah, I can't say with that. Okay, yeah, of course, anything. Yeah. But that one piece of information informed a lot about what that ending okay. meant. Um, but yeah, it's so unbelievably good. Sounds great. I'm um, going to check it out. Yeah, it's just so strange. It's, <laughs> I'm so into the strange shit coming out at the moment. It's also part... I'm going to write something about this. It's, like, it's part of this weird movement that's happened recently of games where the only reward is knowledge. Like, it's people <laughs> getting bored. Or to me, it feels like developers are bored of skill trees and rpg mechanics yeah. and leveling up and it's more about just like you did it well yeah. done you learned what our story was see you later and like that's what heaven's vault is that's what Oberdin is that's what this is it sounds like that's what this 12 minutes game that got announced yeah. at e3 is which looks really great mm-hmm. like this this feeling of like completion is just engaging with the game feels like a step up from like the the walking simulator phase yeah no where it was like that was just just a device to f- tell their story, yeah. you know? But now it seems like it's a bit more mechanically this, yeah, developed. And the, particularly in Outer Wilds, like, the way it ties constantly, like, again, loops you back into, I'm learning, and that's a mechanic, and that's yeah. the mechanic that solves more learning and, like, constantly throws you back through its own game design right. loop. It's fucking amazing. Does it have, like, a hint system? Does it ever, no, like... No, no, okay, not at all. So if you can't work something out, then... You're kind of stuck. You just like, keep looping forever. Yeah, but then... Like Groundhog Day. Yeah, but there's so much. Like, the rumour map is so varied that when I was getting stuck, I was just going, fuck it, I'll go to, what, like, Giant's Deep, which is another planet, and yeah. solve something there instead. Oh, right, um, okay. And often, 
there are places like there can be three distinct places in the solar system that all point you to one place. So you might go somewhere else and then get a hint that you could have learned at the place you were stuck at. But it's like, oh, well, I learned that here instead, oh, and okay, that takes cool. you back. Right, so, so it's not distinct like branching paths. Like everything's interconnected. Right. It's fucking god. It's so, so good. Sounds good. Oh man, I love Outer Wilds. Uh, I also like my friend Pedro. You yeah. finished that one. I have finished my friend Pedro. Yeah. How? What about you guys? Where are you? Up to? I haven't played much more of the finished game than I played in preview. So I'm still on the first world. Um, and I'm in the sewers. In the sewers. Oh, so yeah. that's towards I'm very close yeah. to the. I'm not going to say what, even though you can find it in the menu, I'm not going to say what the last section is because that might be a. Yeah, I think it's been documented, right? I know we mentioned it in the review. Yeah. Right. Okay. The internet. It's called the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It is really, really fun. So uh, I guess we, I mean, we've got an interview coming up later where he fully describes the game, but loosely, let's say it's a 2D platformer where it's all about sort of twin stick shooting in a way, but you can lock on and split aim and. It's a lot of ballet and slow motion and bullet time, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's got a it's, it's sort of matrixy, sort of Max Payne ish, yeah. but in this two D, almost slightly Deadpoolish, I guess, sort yeah. of look to it. Yeah, Deadpool so meets Hotline Miami yeah. kind of vibe. So I said uh, to the developer actually when he came into the studio about the Deadpool inspiration, and he said I started developing this before, not before Deadpool was a thing, but before yeah. the movie was yeah. sort mm. of going. So he never really like is that just purely coincidence that it comes across like that. Ah, that's really bit, interesting. Which it's is interesting. A, yeah, because it is. If you don't know the story, we've talked about it so many times, but uh, it's a game in which a masked man is told to kill lots of people by a floating talking banana that only he can see. <laughs> yeah, that is Pedro. By that, the way. Yeah, he is Pedro. Yeah, um, and I had a point to make. Oh, the other thing yeah. that I'd compare it to is like Tony Hawk's. Like, yes, it, it yeah. has this combo system that feels way closer to a skating game or like a combo trick game yeah. than a shooter. I mean, it has a skateboard in the yeah. game. Yeah, there is. A, I mean, that's a fairly obvious one. But, you know, like, you'll do... The point of it is that you can do these distinct mad moves that combo together really nicely. So it's like slow motion and flipping and dodging mm. and pirouetting and shooting in two different directions at once. And it acknowledges all that on the screen like a Tony Hawk's trick. Yes, like, absolutely. here's your combo that you've just it's, done. It's got a section at the bottom, which is the combo meter, which is every time you do a different type of move, it's filling in that information at the yeah. bottom and then keeping a combo counter in the center as well. I think uh, definitely the whole game is built around how to ace these levels, how to do it in the coolest mm. way possible and tying all the tricks together and all the combos together because it's definitely not about exploration or like there's no like collectibles or mm. anything like that it's purely a score count and just how can you do this in the coolest way possible and get the highest score and i think, I think you, you, sorry sorry joe carry that's on. all right go <laughs> oh so the thing i really like about it is that i'm not actually very good at chaining together those combos or mm. doing the coolest stuff but there is nothing in this game that punishes you for it no. yeah it, it, it's a it's a surprisingly easy shooter like I've almost finished it and yeah I die with a certain amount of frequency but it's not like Hotline Miami where you start the mission again it's not yes. a Katana Zero situation the checkpoints are very very generous very and actually forgiving, yeah. what it wants you to do is just have a really fun time Yeah. and if you're into it that much that you want to start to really improve on your balletic kind of kung fu gun fu yeah. style it, it's all there for you but if you just want to get through it and murder some dudes in slow motion and do like the odd pirouette yeah that it that sort of system is entirely there for you. Yeah, it's it, it's really good as, as well at building the levels 
with things that are so obviously set up for yeah. here is a cool thing for you to use and to shoot in a certain way but it always feels satisfying and it's always easy to do and so much so that I've been frustrated with myself when I've done a level and I haven't done that like there's that frying pan there and I uh -huh. didn't notice it the first time around I was like I could have done that in such a cooler way and I killed him in a really boring yeah. way instead. it's a game more about it kind of gives you the, the a pre-made stunt and then yeah. just asks you to do it Absolutely. which I think is a really nice like it's odd that we don't see that more like there are set pieces in games but they're usually built around a story event rather mm. than like here's something fucking cool yeah. like the one that always sticks in my head is the first Max Payne there's a section that is so obviously them essentially doing the lobby scene from the matrix yeah. Yeah. and i played it over and over and over again not because anything happened in that i thought was good it's just i wanted to do a cooler lobby scene Absolutely, every yeah. single time i think is that something like that. that a lot of people that play because i used to play max Payne. like i must have put 50 60 hours into this very small sort of like max Payne is not a long game no. mm. but i used to constantly just replace it like i do yeah. it and i'd be like I didn't do that cool enough, so a quick load. I just do the entire segment again. You know, this only this you know forty-five second section I do, and if it wasn't like John Woo style, like perfectly <laughs> yeah. choreographed, I'd just loop it again. And it was nothing to do with the fact that the game was difficult or anything like that. It was just I had to have this perfect Hollywood system. Yeah, so I've already started doing that on my friend Pedro as well. <laughs> like, um, because I became I played the game a few days before release and I became obsessed with being sure. top of the leaderboard on one level. So I just <laughs> I wanted to get it just before anyone else got in there. And I just kept replaying the same lot. I played that same level about four or five times sure. just to like well I know I could have done that bit a little bit better. I know I know if I wait to kill this guy, I don't kill him immediately, then I can chain it to the next one and keep yeah. the combo going. And it's it's really satisfying in that regard. Something I'd say is, um, I don't know how you feel about it, it's not overly satisfying, is the platforming elements of it. Yeah. There's a section where it changes from being kind of like grimy to being a little bit more yeah. decorative and mm -hmm. that goes a little bit more, I guess, the classic Nintendo route of platforming. And yes. there's a lot more kind of like, oh, you jump on this platform and then the platform disappears under it. So you then need to jump off something else to make it appear yeah. again. I found that quite challenging because I'm not brilliant at platformers. Yeah. And I just wanted to get past that because I wanted to go to something, even though that has gunplay in it, I wanted something that was much more traditional, kind yeah. of Max Payne-y. I just yeah. found it was it was more of an irritant. It wasn't it was never particularly challenging from a puzzle aspect. It like you said, it was a bit fiddly. Yeah. But I just wanted like this game is about shooting people in cool ways and yeah. I wanted to get back to that again. Uh -huh. And anytime I came up against a platforming section, I felt like it feels like you're just trying to pad out the sections between combat. Yeah. Yeah, the, I'd rather just focus on that. It's so dangerous to try and invoke Nintendo platformers yeah. because the whole point of them is they're fucking like mathematically satisfying. Yeah. Like the the jumps are tuned. Like if you've ever heard Nintendo developers talk about what it is to make Mario jump, hmm. like it's fucking insane <laughs> the lengths they yeah. go to to make that feel right. And even when you're not having to do platforming in My Friend Pedro, the jump is not very good because no. it's not designed as a platforming jump. It's designed as a flipping through the air in slow motion, Absolutely, yeah. taking as long as possible and making it satisfying to be in the air jump. Yeah. So I, jumping places is slow on purpose. Yeah. I honestly feel like they could have, uh, or he could have, this one man who made this Ooh. game, he could have doubled down on just creating cooler combat set pieces and not worried about the platforming aspects at all, really. Um, one thing I do like that they do, like like you said about Mario, is sort of very similar to that, is 
there is a bunch of mechanics or things, elements in that game that are only introduced in one level and then you never see ever again mm. as well. There's lots of those different yeah. options. And those bits are always so exciting because they never outstay their welcome. I love just, the balls to create mechanics and then get rid of them. That's absolutely. one of my favourite. Like everyone would have things. seen probably by now the motorbike chase yeah, like level. brilliant. That's the only time that happens in the game. Mm. There's no other motorbike chase game in that. And I think that is fantastic. Yeah, I it, it just I think it just speaks to like a confidence in what he's making. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you say, when it's doing the thing it wants or you kind of feel it wants to do. Yeah. It's there's nothing quite like it. Absolutely. Like the split shooting in slow-mo while flipping and then dodging by pirouetting like just feels incredible and I've not had that in another game I remember the very first gif I saw of this game and what made me interested I think we spoke about it at the time was when he's on a skateboard and he swings on a rope flies backwards swings sort of back the other way and then shoots through a glass plate spins down shoots another guy and then lands back on the skateboard and rides (laughs) off and it's just moments like that the most satisfying thing we literally emailed the PR (laughs) that afternoon (laughs) and set up well, what would eventually lead to the interview you're about to listen ah, to yeah. with Dead Toast, the developer, otherwise known as Victor Agren, I think. I think I'm not entirely sure yeah. how it's, the A's got a little circle on top. Yes. And I'm not sure what that one makes the sound do. <laughs> um, but Victor is a lovely, softly spoken Swedish man. And you're mm. about to enjoy his tones as he spoke to me and Matt a little while back. Victor, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. We, As I was saying just before we got on, I think we've been asking for you to come to our office since last E3. Um, if people have listened to the podcast for a long enough time, we've talked about my friend Pedro so much uh, because every time we play it, we go, fuck it now. <laughs> it's so good. Um, good so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's really nice. Um for those who don't know, and hopefully most people do, um, could you give like a little 30-second rundown of what My Friend Pedro is? Sure. Uh, so, uh, My Friend Pedro is a violent ballet about friendship, imagination, and one man's struggle to obliterate anyone in his path at the behest of a sentient banana. Gameplay-wise, that would mean <laughs> something like a 2D run-and-gun action game uh, with 3D graphics that focuses heavily on acrobatic slow-motion action stuffs. It's basically a game <laughs> that makes you feel completely amazing most of the time yeah. about shooting people. Yeah, yeah, because... That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much got like the John Woo kind of thing, right? Like awesome sort of slow motion gun battles and stuff like that. And you real get a feel for, I suppose it's, it's that kung fu gun sort of angle, I suppose. Yeah, kung fu. Yeah, totally, totally. It's that, yeah. And I, as we were talking about earlier as well, that feeling that, I think the thing that, that does it for me is that you have toggle on and off slow motion. It's this feeling of, you should be in slow motion a lot. We're not making it more difficult for that to happen. It's like as easy as possible to get into that mode and, yeah. and like really use it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and so you do this 100%, well, no, let's say 95% by yourself. 200%. You, you 200% no. <laughs> by yourself. So everything but the music is uh, you, yeah. my friend Pedro. That's right, yeah. And then I guess partnering with Devolver, they help with the stuff surrounding it, making it. Gotcha. You know, shine. <laughs> and I suppose my main question is, why would you do this to yourself? That is something I ask myself every day. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's always, it started, you know, 
which is like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to make a game? I'm not sure if I'm gonna, you know, how much energy I'll put into this. And you start making something, and then it, you know, and grows and grows, and then suddenly you're on IGN. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you, so you, you make games as Dead Toast. Uh, yeah. When yeah. did Dead Toast start? Uh, what, what is that journey? Uh, yeah. So I guess it all started as um, like maybe in 2000. Six mm-hmm. or five or something. I wanted. I started making flash games basically, and I wanted some sort of bra- brand to release the games under, uh, and that's where Dead Toast Entertainment came from. Okay, I guess. Uh, and for those who don't know, you used to work at Media Molecule. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess yeah. My journey is sort of like I started just on my own, learning to make little flash games, and then um, I think when I was nineteen, uh, I. Uh, Got the opportunity to start working at Media Molecule. That's amazing. It was sort of yeah, just before Little Big Planet, the first one was sort of even announced. Oh wow! Uh, so I was lucky there. Um, uh, and then uh, I was there for like six years, and then I left, and then to go like indie mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, sort of picked up starting some like releasing some flash games again, just because that's what I knew. Uh, and then uh, yeah, been sort of transitioning into making this game now. Okay. And, and what so, sort of, just if you don't mind me butting <laughs> in, like, like Media Molecule obviously is an amazing sort of studio yeah. and, you know, to work there for six years. But what was the inspiration to decide, no, actually, I want to go on my own? Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a love story. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, uh, so I'm from Sweden, uh, Media Molecule, our office in, in Guildford here in England. Um, uh, so, yeah, I moved over, moved over here when I was 19, lived here. Um, yeah, six years, and then while I was here, I, I met my girlfriend, uh, and uh, she's from Brazil, uh, and um, it was sort of uh, she was sort of didn't really find the way to stay in England, sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, I, you know, followed her to Brazil for a while, uh, where actually the game got a little bit of inspiration from, like hence the name, my friend Pedro, uh, and then um, yeah, and it was also at, at the time there was like you know. It felt like the whole indie thing could work, mm. and it was really like it's been had been sort of proven. I think sort of in the game, the movie probably helped inspire a little bit as well. Oh, really? <laughs> just, yeah, just like it's like yeah, like you know, a small team can make something big, or you know, something with a big impact, sort of thing. That's um, really interesting. I always thought I, I've I've always thought of indie game the movie from the outside, right, as a kind of parable of how horrible it can be yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i never thought about it as an inspiration um, yeah i um i think maybe it's yeah maybe it's more like how it, it's it's getting recognized more sort of thing mm. like it's sort of getting like it was i guess maybe yeah it showed me a bit like it, it was sort it of legitimizes taken, it yeah yeah get a little bit more serious but like it's sort of it is um you know it's a struggle but it's it's you know it's not for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and I suppose that is there an element of sort of like even though those three stories had hardships, everybody knows those games that yeah. indie game the movie shows. And I suppose was that an inspiration? Like even if I do have to go through some hardship, I might get something big out of this. Uh, I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I didn't. I didn't expect to like make something you know big really I just like I mean it all everything just stems from I just I love making stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and um uh but yeah I think I think it, it it probably helps motivate you in those harder parts of making stuff sure. like um yeah yeah I, I, I was sort of thinking about like 
I, I would, you know, do I would start making games uh, f- like for no return, basically. But it's the sort of finishing it that needs a little bit of extra push of mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, you know, fixing the bugs, and, you know, like making it, um, you know, ironing out, ironing out all the sort of iffy bits and things like it's uh, that's that's a bit harder. It's yeah. more, more work <laughs> to take it down to like a, a nitty gritty level. Like what? does a day look like for you like when when you wake up how do you decide what you work on when you're working on everything yeah um i don't know like i mean it's so yeah the the sort of day-to-day life of doing this is it's it's not very glamorous (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just um, um but yeah what to work on each day is sort of it depends a bit on the stage of the project, I guess. Like mm. now, we're just getting ready for for shipping and stuff. It's just, you know, where where's the biggest fire? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, it's uh, yeah, it's been a lot of like sort of QA and things like that now. So you know, the you know, uh, yeah, the biggest bugs need to be fixed mm-hmm. first, I think. Um, and things like that and then you know sometimes there's like marketing stuff needs to be worked on with the pressing pressing issue sort of thing like with time limit um but in the start of the project it's just sort of wake up and you know like do i have any idea like what what like what's bubbling inside me that wants to come out sort mm. of thing you know <laughs> so um, like, i mean was that a case of sort of you thought of something you made it you saw if it worked and then carried on with it or scrapped it like how how much stuff did you make for my friend Pedro that didn't doesn't exist in the game anymore? Yeah, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's a fair bit. I think mm-hmm. I was. Um, there is. I think you can scroll back through. There's some devlogs I was posting mm. in the start on various places. You can see I experimented with quite a few different things, and I, I made. I mean, in the start, I was making a lot of levels, just thinking it would be just running around and shooting, and that would be maybe enough. But then after making you know quite a few of those levels it, it felt like it needed more and then uh since then it was sort of figuring out little you know extra things like you know the frying pan the ricocheting on on, on um signs and things in the environment you know moving platform type things and just like adding all these ingredients to to make it all more interesting and you can make more of a uh yeah more of a journey like of it so it's cool I suppose, yeah, it kind of evolves out of being the single, like, here's the core of the game. And then you're like, well, what does this look like as a full, mm. like, you know, however many hours playing yeah, one yeah. thing? Like, what's that? What is that journey? That's yeah. super interesting. And like, I suppose, I mean, did you have any ideas during this where you're like, that's another game? Like, you you started making something yeah. and not not for this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's experimented with some quite strange weapons for a while um with sort of like an electric gun <laughs> that you sort of you could shoot the tip off to stick onto walls and then shoot from that point so you could like and then activate some switches around corners and things oh, wow. but that was um yeah that was definitely not really sitting with the core hook of the game of like acrobatic sort of flowy things it's like my friend pedro the immersive sim yeah (laughs) yeah yeah start Mm. getting like mad (laughs) messed up stuff could be a spin-off yeah i'd be up for that um one thing i'm weirdly fascinated by is i know you did the sound effects like how did you make sound effects (laughs) (laughs) like is it is it a case of using sort of stuff that already exists did you make your own did you do foley like it's uh 
I so some some of the sort of ing- like uh, let me call it. I never studied any of this. So I don't actually know what the things are called, but mm. um, um, but like I guess call it ingredients for the sound effects. Um, so I have a field recorder sort of thing and a microphone and stuff. So I've recorded a few things, um, but then a lot of things you get like parts from uh, like sound libraries and things, and mm-hmm. then you know you sort of mix them together. Like you get some maybe some wet sounds here and some like punchy sounds there, and you mix it together. There's a bit of equalizer, a bit of you know stuff from that, and mm-hmm. then um, you know uh, try to make it. You know, it's more about making it feel feel right. I guess mm. like it's it's just. Uh, doesn't have to be actually sound like the thing. It's just I've sort of got an image of you in like your backyard with like <laughs> a load of soundproofing and hitting melons and yeah. sort of like <laughs> yeah. you get all the really nice gooey sound effects. Yeah. Proper well, barbarian sound. So the, the funny thing, if you look at sound libraries, there's a plenty of those uh, mm-hmm. things in there. I think probably because it's quite fun to record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if if you can get those from sound libraries, because obviously I imagine like bullets and and sort of like blood is quite easy. Were there any sounds that you wanted for Pedro for its unique kind of feel that you had to do your that you were never going to find in a library. Um, this one, I don't know. If it's just the first thing that comes to mind is just uh, struggling to find the like with the assault rifle. You have like a secondary attack, which is like a grenade launcher, mm-hmm. and I wanted that like thump sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is surprisingly hard to find. So I was like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing that you can make that noise, and I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah, like that's such a specific. But how do you sound? search for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was one I had to like, you know, disassemble the the vacuum cleaner a bit, and it's like <laughs> the tube, like in the end oh. of the vacuum, is really good for like if you tap the end of it. It does like a boom. That's uh, so good. Yeah. Oh man, I love that stuff. Yeah. Like recent, I got, this is completely off track, but I recently got to go to Rare for Sea of Thieves, and the, the audio director mm. took us. Oh bloody hell! I've dropped everything. Um, <laughs> took us around and kind of showed us the instruments you play and all that stuff. We went into this one room. He's like, "This is where we make loads of the sound effects." Mm-hmm. And there's a big grand piano, and he's like, "What do you think that's for?" And everyone's like. We're playing piano on. He's like, I've never played this piano, yeah. and he just opened it up and just started smashing oh, the strings no. with a hammer and stuff. And you're like, that's all the noises of like danger in the game oh, is just yeah, yeah. piano strings being smashed discordantly. It's, like, oh, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting that because sometimes what I found, like, I mean, obviously, I don't have a sound room for us mm-hmm. or a grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> I have a corner in my flat, um, uh, but. Um, uh, yeah, like it's, it's it's like sometimes you want that, like like you can't synthesize some of these stuff. Like you want to do that analog, like actually punching some real and things, just to, to get that. Um, yeah, to not make it too like digital. Like mm. it adds uh, some texture and like like invisible feel to it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, we've gone way down the line on sound oh, yeah. effects. No, like yeah, I said, I'm weirdly fascinated by them. Um, is there anything? I think we're kind of getting close to time, but is there anything? that you would want oh like anything you can tell like aspiring indie devs like any advice or mm. or like <laughs> words of warning even yeah. about the uh, process i think yeah we think yeah, we're thinking a little bit about this sort of thing and um i think yeah it's so it seems like it seems the like obviously you start out and you 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 you, you know you want to make the big success or whatever but um i'd almost say like maybe don't aim for the big success to start with. Like, just you know, enjoy just making experiments and like you know, find little things and then find the thing that inspires you and then let it grow from there. Because mm. part like one thing now with my friend Pedro getting some attention to things, it's like it 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 um 
yeah, it you know adds a bit of pressure, uh, mm. and it's just a lot of things to think about at once. And I think if this was my f- introduction to making games, I might not make another one because <laughs> 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 it's it is so hard, and and it's probably been the most stressful thing in my life. Uh, but at the same time, I from having gone through it and at various scales before, I I know that it's it's you know it's all good in the end. So it's like. It's it's okay to sit out or like or like work it through it and, and accept the the pain. It's a, it's a love story in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Totally. Um, we've got one question we always ask everyone who visits us. That's have you seen the Prestige? Uh, I have. What do you think of it? Uh, you yeah. could be honest. It's uh, I I was a little bit disappointed with the twist, <gasps> but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it was just it was just. I don't, can you spoil it? Like yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we've spoiled it over and over yeah. again. Actually, I've, I haven't. Oh, it was a long time I saw it, but it's, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, it was just like, it felt like the twist was actual magic, sort of thing, mm-hmm. like in a way, like it was sort of, like everything felt plausible, but then it was sort of like, eh, a little bit far I felt cheated by the end. The first time yeah. I saw it, I felt cheated by it. It's only on repeat viewings that it sort of clicked for me. Yeah, to I me, could see that actually. To me, it's just that it's a secret sci-fi movie. That's mm-hmm. what I actually <laughs> like about it. It's yeah. that twist goes... By the way, <laughs> everything's mad here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't come back, but that's fair. That's all right. Um, thank you so much, cool. man. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. What a lovely man. I uh, seem to remember that I talked for a very long time about sound effect design. And that <laughs> he talks about the most satisfying noise of all guns, which is the thump. Of, of a grenade, grenade launcher. Of the grenade I've launcher. never heard a real grenade launcher fire, but if I ever do and it doesn't make that sound, I will kick off. <laughs> right. I think it's time for the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? This week on the Endless Search, I'm returning to the last game I did on the Endless Search because I liked it too much. It uh, was good, Joe. It is the Twitter search. I can't remember what I even called it. Basically, it's searching for words that Kojima, Hideo Kojima has said on Twitter. I was going to do this with someone else. I realized Hideo Kojima is the perfect He's a one of a kind for this game because he tweets so much and about such weird shit. Wait, so the, wait, the idea of the game was to get one that hits one, right? Well, yeah, like that's, the best right? Possi- that's the best possible answer. You should call it one of a kind then. One of a kind, Very the good. new game. Um, <laughs> So essentially, if you didn't listen to the last time, I'm going to search every tweet that Hideo Kojima has ever posted on his English language account. Yeah. Um, These two fine gentlemen will each suggest, in turn, words that he may have said, and the winner is the one who gets the words that have said been said the least. (laughs) Okay. But he has to have said it once. Yeah, but not zero times, because obviously that's insane. How much... how many tweets has he done on his Japanese account? Uh, I don't know, actually. I haven't looked. I could, he's he's done, done a fuckload on his English account. He's done 32,000 <laughs> on his English account. Um, I'll just go through. There's a list of banned words that have already been said. Okay, all right. Makes for good listening. Pasta, <laughs> which was actually, weirdly, of this list, the most tweeted. <laughs> Watermelon. President. Jupiter. Sexy. Chain. Helmet. Pringles. Vienna. And clamp. 
God. Clamp was a bad <laughs> guess from Alex. Vienna, as it turns out, that was the only single hit that we got. It was amazing. Um, How long has this Twitter account been going? Since uh, I looked it up last time. Like yeah, it's something like that. It's nearly 10 years worth of material in there. Okay, because obviously he doesn't talk so much about Metal Gear anymore, but he would have spoke about it a well, lot in the past. Surely you're not going to search for any part no. of Metal Gear. I was thinking transferring off the top of my head, but then it's like, there was probably a period for about six months where he banged on about it loads. Yeah, maybe not, though, because mm. he talks a lot about sausages. Um, <laughs> so what we'll do is for the first four, we're going to do five rounds. Okay. For the first four rounds, uh, we'll alternate who goes first and then in the final round we do a uh, you both guess at the same time cool uh, okay so I'm going to go with Dale first on this one transferring transferring I need to know now uh, how do you spell transferring fuck knows <laughs> uh, trans F-A double R-I-N-G can you google it first okay yeah no that's fair I can yeah. do that let's let's make sure we got what that. a mad si- what was that game what was it was that uh, it was for Peace Walker wasn't it oh that's right yeah transferring transferring from Hideo Kojima N <laughs> Here we go. Oh, it's a banger. Two. Oh, hello. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I like that, uh, of course, one of them's just about normal transferring. The other one I like is uh, January 2014. This is not transferring, but remote play. <laughs> and it's him uh, on Avita. Okay. That's nice. Cool. Okay. Good start. That is a banger. Matt, can you match or beat? Who? Uh, I'm going to go with, just because I know that he tweeted this, and it might be a sole tweet, a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Bringing knowledge to the game. Because I know he went to see Bumblebee. He's fucking done it. Oh, my God. Only one. <laughs> oh, nice. Enjoy seeing Bumblebee, starting the day with The Smith, and then goes with Howard Jones, Duran Duran, Aha, Tears for Fears, Wang Chung, and ends with Simple Minds. He just likes the oh. soundtrack. <laughs> Out of all the 80s artists, which ones do you think he's mentioned the most? Maybe David the Bowie? Most. It could be Bowie. Or Duran Duran, I feel like he says he a lot. like Duran Duran and Aha. Yeah. He's into. <laughs> uh, right, Matt, you're up. After that absolute stinger uh, of a bumblebee. Good. I'm going to go in for something that I know that he tweets about, but this might be too higher frequency. Uh-huh. We'll see what Dale can find. Yeah. And also, this is incredibly on brand for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's churches. So <laughs> with the V. Oh, yeah. With the V. With the v. With the v. <laughs> yeah. He loves churches, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. I feel like he's mentioned them quite a few times. Here we go. Churches. Oh, yeah, they visited him the other day. <laughs> <laughs> three. Oh, is that it? Oh, Only is, three. Is that it? Oh. Maybe he's gone with the U before. Yeah, maybe. He's, he's, I mean, that that would be incorrect, and I'm sure Lauren would be very upset. That's mm. so weird. He went to their gig, and he's clearly given them a load of balloons, <laughs> and there's a badly printed sign that just says, Congrats, churches, Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Mad bastard. <laughs> right. So that is, I I assume that would be in the 30s. Yeah. He's a he's a, as big a fan as I am. He's a fake sure. fan. I'm going to go for a food one. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> That's yeah. what he tweets about the but, most. Um, no, but not, not, not like sandwiches or something yeah. like that. I'm going to go for... Al got three with watermelon last time. Peanut. Peanut. Ooh. Single? Yeah, yep. single. Quite excited about this. <gasps> One! Yeah! No! <laughs> this is an absolute smash of a round. Alex and Cardi were shite at this compared to you. And it was, amazingly, he saw the Peanuts movie, oh but he called God. it the Peanut the movie. <laughs> no, yes! 
<laughs> saw the oh, peanut the movie i love it i love it and the picture is a, a brochure for peanuts movie next to a brochure for specter for no reason <laughs> this game's amazing oh right it's me up first it's a shame it only them. works with kojima <laughs> right mm, what next who else is going to have written peanut <laughs> <laughs> I might go for something like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you know what he's into? What his watching yeah. habits are? But if to only tweet something once, like it doesn't necessarily need to. It could be something just he mentions in mm-hmm. passing. I think you've hit on a good vein here, which is yeah. like his properties, yeah. like things he might have gone and seen at yeah. one point. Star Trek. Uh, it's got to be one word. Oh, okay. Um, could be Trek. Mm, yeah, let's go for Trek. Trek. Here we go. Oh, it's the biggest so far. No. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No. There was a thing. Is it always about, Star Trek or is it other things he's saying? Uh, but at some point at Kojima Productions, there was a Project Star Trek. <laughs> Who knows what that was? <laughs> yeah, right. It's mostly about Star Trek films. Uh, yeah. It's mostly about Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm, okay. Turns out he's into it. Oh, and he went to the world premiere uh, premiere of Star Trek Beyond. Um, oh, well. Oh, beautiful pictures. Anyway, <laughs> nine. <laughs> so I reckon he's probably into a bit of Twin Peaks. So I'm going to do Lynch. Lynch. I like this. We've got themed rounds. Uh-huh. This is good. Okay. <laughs> I think that's going to be quite big. Yeah, I feel like he's mentioned his name. Oh, it's close. Times. It is close. Oh. It's, it's a tie. Nine. Oh my God. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> it's still one all. My favourite is a picture of David Lynch giving a thumbs up and he says, Thank you, Lynch Sensei. You gave me courage. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, so good. Mad bastard. Wow, this is weird. Where's that? Okay. David Lynch was born 1946, 72 years old now, meaning the new Twin Peaks had been made during his 60s to 70s. He made his Hollywood blockbuster debut, Dune, in his mid-30s. He was making Mulholland Drive when he was my age. Was bit nervous of my never-retire policy, but I'm relieved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, Matt, right, you're up. Oh, Still one all. What can I... It's tough, isn't it? That is three rounds, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's been three, mm-hmm. yeah. Should write things down. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a video game theme. Well, yeah, so I just got in in my mind a tweet, which is Kojima with a model of choir, which has got quite inflated breasts. Yeah. And he's just pushing them with his thumbs. (laughs) He's into boobies, isn't he? He loves a bit. Um, How how often has he spoken about quiet? I don't know. I mean, there was probably a period where he was in... Big defense of quiet, right? See, the word quiet. Yeah. That's danger to me, but let's find out. Because I'm also quite intrigued. Are you submitting the word quiet? Yeah, you're intrigued. Okay. Fuck me, there's loads. <laughs> oh, it's required a page load. <laughs> uh, More than you can count. Fill for a second. <laughs> um, right, well, I know what my next one's going to be a uh, Nintendo themed one. So I'm going to see. Because I feel like that's not a company we tweet about much. I don't know. But Joe's still counting. Oh my God. 35. And as I suspected, things like very quiet in the office today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too much of a, a, a normal word so, as well, isn't it? True. Is there anything gross? Oh, he thought arrival was quiet. 
and intellectual. Cheers. <laughs> Quiet and intellectual. Mm. Two words. Rival's so good. Not that much good. It's mostly just pictures of quiet. Okay. Uh, all right. Can you beat 35? Bowser. Bowser. <laughs> oh, this is a risky business. No results. Uh. You lost to a 35. <laughs> Uh, did he ever just as out of interest has he ever tweeted about Bowsette did he get on that <laughs> let's find out <laughs> shall we Bowsette I imagine that's a Kajim no nah. I thought he'd be into that nah. yeah couldn't be asked. he doesn't get on trends I mean apart from in the 80s <laughs> uh, okay so that's 2-1 to Matt okay going into the final round so you've got to draw this up while Matt's uh, taking it uh, so for the final round you both have to think of them and then say them okay you know basically the same time I've got time. one I really want to do but I've got a feeling he's probably said it at a period probably said it about 20 times interesting but I really it want to do it so I'm just going to go with it it's not I have to find the website again it's <laughs> something about Bowsette's fucked up Kojima's <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's just so many it can't find any <laughs> All in on the Bowsette shit. Right. <laughs> Have you both got one? I've got one. Yeah. Okay. Who's first? Go. Ooh. Muse. Okay. Muse. Yeah. Oh, well, so it's technically not a word, but NGP. NGP? Do you remember that? No. no. What was that? That was Next Gen Portable. Do you remember that was right. what the Vita was called I'm for a while? I'm going straight for NGP because that's <laughs> interesting stuff. Actually, I'm going to go Muse first because I think that's the that's a... <laughs> A possibility. Muse. But he could be saying things are my muse as opposed this to the band. True. Not done a lot. Ten. Mm, bought, bad. bought Muse book. <laughs> bought Muse new album, Drones, at Muse Live. So he's mostly talking about the band there. Yeah. Bought the new album of Muse, Simulation <laughs> Theory. Finally bought Muse's live at Rome Olympic Stadium. He just says <laughs> every time. Maybe he doesn't have a muse. Charlotte, oh no, Marion Vatch was a beautiful muse indeed. <laughs> but more, I was amazed to see how handsome Charlotte Rampling in Age of 67 was. <laughs> He's a ranty old bucker. Yeah, it's weird. What's this? I started off with Car Park North on the way to work and to muse as wanted to listen to the resistance for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> right, NGP. To tie it up. Is NGP less than 10, but more than zero? <gasps> it's a one! Oh! <laughs> Every creator was delighted to NGP's surpassing holding and operational feeling. <laughs> I was convinced he was going to at least say it about five times or something. No. That's mad. Boys, I kind of want a decider. I don't want to end this yeah, on two let's, or... Let's do one more round. One more round. But with oh, the yeah, with yeah. round five rules, I want to I want to hear two. Now things I'm looking again. around the room for inspiration right now. Um, this has been this has been three ones in this. Right, I've got my inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You just looked where I looked, so I'm Did worried I? that we're going to say the same thing now. <laughs> Pumpkin vodka. <laughs> Pumpkin and vodka. Here we fucking go, boys. This could easily be two zeros. Pumpkin first. Wait, where's the vodka up there? There isn't. There's the bottle on the top shelf oh, and I got right. vodka. It's okay. not actually a bottle of vodka, but... Zero for pumpkin. Oh. Can vodka come this, in this and could go forever, steal away? <gasps> One for vodka! Oh, well played, Matt. Well having played. second round of the strategy meeting in different venue, the producer, Coricado, has been having vodka three days in a row. Ledge. <laughs> Coricado's an absolute boozer. <laughs> and that was another 
round of whatever the name one of a kind one of a kind that we'll probably call it now yeah <laughs> uh I really like that game. Yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> That's Don't know how long it can go on for. Yeah, I was looking up. Yeah, Kojima will run out soon, and mm. no one else has the strange mix of like wide interests and mad phraseology. Yeah, the only other person I'd looked up was John Carmack because he's insane. Um, <laughs> I don't follow most, him on Twitter, but now I want him. He he only tweets about incredibly technical things. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, which also reminded me. This is just by the by. If you've never read John Carmack's Wikipedia page, it is a treat. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I'm going to read you just one section from his early life. Okay. As reported in David Kushner's Masters of Doom, when Carmack was 14, he broke into a school to help a children, a group of children steal Apple II computers. To gain entry to the building, Carmack concocted a sticky substance of thermite mixed with Vaseline that melted through the oh windows. My God. However, an overweight accomplice struggled to get through the hole and opened the window, setting off a silent alarm and alerting police. Carmack was arrested and sent for psychiatric evaluation. The report mentions no empathy for other human beings and describes Carmack as a brain on legs. <laughs> this started out as an Amblin movie and then turned yeah. into a horror. It's fucking amazing. I mean, it's worse ways to be described as a brain on legs. The, the other best bit of this is Carmack loves pizza. During his time at It Software, a medium pepperoni pizza would arrive for Carmack from Domino's Pizza almost every day, every carried by day. the same delivery person for more than 15 years. Carmack had been such a regular mad. customer that they still charge him 19.95 prices. His <laughs> cholesterol must for every day pizza. He looks all right. Carmack's doing good. Yeah, but just because he looks good doesn't mean he is good on the just inside. Just zombie on the inside. Yeah. He's a dangerous That's not a healthy diet. Anyway, let's get feedback. on to feedback, shall we? <clears throat> this is from Andrew Voke. He says, hi all, does the theme Doom, I keep going to say Dune, does the theme Doom count as Christian rock? Oh, as in the theme tune to Doom. Does the theme to Dune count as Christian right, rock? Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's a valid question. <laughs> I don't know. Why is he saying that? The, the, I don't know. Isn't there a bit of chorus to the Doom um, theme tune? I can't, all I can think of is the menu music. That's is that the actual theme tune? I'm going to put some Mick Gordon on. I'm going for the original Doom. Oh, right, okay. I was thinking of the remake. Oh, this is the thing he's talking about. Carry on. I'll read it out when he gets to it. Uh, Some context. As boy, oh boy, is there a lot to unpack unpack here. I was taking my toddler to nursery, and as part of the routine, I was playing the theme to Doom on my phone's YouTube app. (laughs) Didn't need that bit. As there is currently my daughter's song of choice to get her pumped for a hard day of finger painting and sandcastles. Your daughter sounds like a fucking ledge. (laughs) And who could blame her? It's an absolute banger. I scrolled down to the comments. I know, what a rookie mistake. And the top comment was someone arguing that the theme counts as Christian rock. As Doom Slayer's raison the... Detra <laughs> occupation slash hobby is eviscerating the Denzians of hell and so f- and why did you give me this story Jesus I Christ. thought it was fun and so there is therefore an agent of Jesus Christ our redeemer and saviour I've I not can... been able to stop thinking about this I need your expert analysis I found the comment he's talking about it's from TTF Cellist written two years ago and it's, it says the official anti-Satan anthem <laughs> Doom is actually a Christian game because you fight off Satan's hordes and in, and in final the Satan itself Deus Vult oh my god <laughs> either way I'm greatly looking forward to Doom Eternal uh, <laughs> well if you have been pay- Deus Vult by the way is a Catholic motto associated with the Crusades which is nice hmm. um 
I would like to point out that in Doom Eternal, you are now killing the denizens of heaven as well. Oh so God. it's not a Christian a Christian rock. <laughs> the end. Right. Also, he says, P.S., by the way, I was mm. very excited to hear that the 500th UK podcast is on August the 16th. As coincidentally, that is also my 36th birthday. See you then. Oh, wicked. Are you going to come see us on your birthday? Why not? I'm 36 as well, mate. It's nothing to celebrate. Yeah, so you might fair. as well come to a live podcast. Should we... Uh, <laughs> quick aside about episode 500 yeah go for we've it we've got a few more details mm, I um, can't remember what we agreed to say and not say well we're not gonna we don't know about tickets yet we're yes. still working on that there are behind the scenes machinations going mm. on with that we're trying to make them cheaper yeah um, but it will be at the 100 Club yes. in the historic middle of London <laughs> <laughs> it's Oxford Street right it's on Oxford yeah, Street yeah it's on Oxford Street it's where we've done a couple well not me we personally we did uh, podcast 300 I think 100 was there as well 100 was there yeah uh, that makes sense so we go every 200 episodes at this point <laughs> uh, that's which is nice see uh, you at 700 we are going to there's going to be live music there is going to be live music yes there still to be confirmed might be games <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's going to be a wide cast uh, wider than you might expect mm. and it's going to be a bloody good time we're going to have a good time I know is it just before or after Gamescom just before Gamescom lucky you because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was after I'd be dead yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be great I'm really looking forward to it yes now to Sam Sheridan Sam Sheridan asks well you originally asked what's your game of the year so far uh, quickly Resident Evil 2 yeah, I think so as well. Resident Evil yeah. Outer Wilds. <laughs> Sam Sheridan says after that, "What do you think is the most underrated video game?" I'd ask you to consider the following. <laughs> I'm thinking of a game with the best animation I've ever seen in a game. It's the ultimate RPG with the deepest mechanics and most statistics-driven technical complexity I've ever played. It has more playable characters to suit more playstyles than Overwatch and Super Smash Bros. combined. Bold. In fact, it had unlimited procedurally generated characters long before Watch Dogs 3 was even discussed in a boardroom. It had contextual dialogue, considerably more complicated than that in Red Dead Redemption 2 in the 90s. <gasps> I'm thinking of a game that set a template for what can be achieved using the game-as-a-service model, yet somehow still has countless single-player modes, each infinitely replayable. And maybe the narrative doesn't quite reach the level of The Last of Us, but you could say that about Metal Gear Solid 5, and that got a 10 with the justification that you make your own stories, and that could not be more true of the game in question. I am, of course talking about FIFA. (laughs) Sam Sheridan making a big case for FIFA. The above is lighthearted, but I do genuinely think that from a technical perspective, FIFA has always been underappreciated. People criticise the series for bringing out a new game that is basically the same every year, ignoring the fact that the history of competition with PES and annual iteration have driven it to improve constantly. And you know, Borderlands 2 is getting a sequel after seven years and is being praised for being more Borderlands. What do you think? I, Sam, you're talking to the right person. I don't think it's underappreciated, though, is it? It's massively appreciated. I think it's underappreciated in a critical you're talking about the sense. wider sort of gaming community outside of football I, fans. Yeah, I think. Uh, so I've said on this podcast loads of times, it's the most complicated action game ever made. Yeah. Like the the fact that FIFA is so well played is mad to me. Because if you tried to put those controls in any other game, people would go insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's using there's about sixty inputs on a what a twelve button yeah controller. I, th- I think people don't necessarily lord it up as much. It's because it's consistently great. It's mm. consistently the best simulation of football. Yeah. And it's like every year, yeah. Well, you're you know. going to get some shit from Pez fans. <laughs> well, I used to be a Pez fan there. Yeah. Like, I was for the longest time and I held on for the longest time until it just became obvious, what, about five years ago, that FIFA was like light years ahead mm. at that point. 
And I don't know if there's ever any going back on that. Who knows? I do wonder if... I, I don't know the answer to this question. I wonder if FIFA has inspired games that are very, very different to it. Because I do like, like... The stuff about contextual dialogue, like, the commentary is a fairly complex system for, like, Road to the World Cup yeah, 98. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's mad when you think about how how much they were having to invest in that kind of thing ahead of other games. When other games were just... I don't know. I was looking at it earlier. Death rally. (laughs) (laughs) Also, do people pick up on his point? He says every year people moan say it's the same FIFA. I don't know. Is that true? Well, I think the the problem you've got is that video games is is a much wider kind of audience than it used to be. And I think for a lot of people, especially kind of like from when we were kids, a lot of people would have played games and they don't like football because that's what like the cool kids in school are up to. So there's, I think there is still embedded somewhere in the games community a little bit of like oh sports is for cool people that don't play video games and like that just doesn't really exist anymore but i mean the amount of my friends that only play fifa yeah or something like or Mm -hmm. fifa or like maybe fortnite or cod or something like that but they're not interested in like they're not interested in outer wilds for Mm. example they'll play fifa every year but you know it doesn't make their opinion any less no exactly sound like pricks to me (laughs) (laughs) it's just what they're doing what they enjoy absolutely that's absolutely fine um no i i yeah i would i would hesitate to say it's the most underrated video game but i would say that it is an overlooked video game for some of the things it has pioneered i suppose yeah for technical i think it's very a very interesting point sam sheridan thank you for Mm. it all right, I have got uh, some some stuff from Dominic Demiso, who is uh, I hope I've Demico Demiso. I'd go for Demico, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm afraid like I am not from California, and what? Uh, Dominic is from California. Oh, okay. um, so sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, he says greetings from California. I hope you're all doing well after the E3 madness. It was mad. It was great though. Uh, I, mean, I'm I didn't it. do shit. Swanned yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about looking at shit from Lost. <laughs> uh, I'm writing in about Watch Dogs Legion. Good, because I can talk about Watch Dogs yes. Legion yeah. all day. Uh, at first, I thought it was just cool in the same way that Swords of Ditto's death mechanic is. But after listening to your E3 podcast chat about it, I realised that if I end up with a favourite character to play as, who I don't want to die, I'm going to have to put in actual effort into planning how to take on missions, how to get into places, how to get out with being, without being caught, or how to escape if things go wrong. Now I'm properly excited for the game. Mm, yes, lad. Which is exactly it, because obviously it has permadeath. Mm, yeah. One thing I will say is you can... I don't know quite if there's a very when you get shot, whether you always get the option or whether thing, um, you can offer yourself up. So basically you can get yourself arrested. And I believe the mechanic is, is if you've been arrested, but you've got lawyers in your team, Fuck you can reduce out. your nice. prison sentence. That's I'm weird. pretty sure that's how the perk works, There's but also, don't quote me. Um, it is, I think that is a rule that is always there, barring exceptions, because when I was playing, I got a guy who refuses to surrender to police. Oh, really? So if he gets shot, he's, he's dead. fucking dead. Right, so it's all... So this is where all these perks come together, and this is why it is, you know, it's game of the show. It yeah. is yeah. game of E3, because of all these systems. And it's like, I know there's a lot of people out there that are worried about the idea of, like, well, how can you tell proper stories? Like, these are where your stories come from. Like, anybody who's played XCOM for, like, a good long campaign will know that, like the first sergeant that you get into your team like he has nothing to him other than a set of perks but by the time you've named him like, like I'm, did you guys play XCOM? Yeah. Did, were, were they all named after your friends? Uh, they were all named after characters from the 
television show Toast of London. Right, but, there we go. Yes. And you would have had your favourite. And you Clem Fandango was a hero. <laughs> How obscure. <laughs> but you develop favourites, right? And you do yeah, gain course, attachment yeah. to them. So you've got that. And like I can remember sort of like having real good XCOM champions that I bought through. And when they died, it was fucking heartbreaking. And they didn't have anywhere near the narrative drive that Watchdogs yeah. will have for it on top of that personal attachment you make because of what you do with them. Yeah, like these whole systems are coming together I, it's so exciting I see this very much of the opportunity to create a legacy for Donovan Driver yes he show, like I don't know what the name generator is like in Watch Dogs if but a I, Donovan's there <laughs> but I pray it's something like Football Manager and I create a character that yes I'm going to see this character through to the end because they are my guy or God, they are my yeah. girl that's yeah. it I'm never going to find a Scrabbles in Watch Dogs unless Ubisoft wants to hit me up yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you could easily find a driver. Like, that is possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that that's would a be good amazing. English yeah. name, right? Donovan, not so much. Donovan's not going to be there, but it could be Donovan's I wonder what, son. What's their, name, what's their naming system like there? Well, yeah, like how, actually, how weird can it get? What year is Watch Dogs Legion set in? Uh, it, it's near future London. I think the suggestion is about five years from now. How old? Hey. Um, Donovan wasn't even born by then. In, uh, Donovan in was born in 2011, I want to say. Okay. Like oh, it could be. You could get a young you Donovan. I think he was like 16 when he came through. I was wondering if you could get someone who becomes in canon Donovan's child. Like, <laughs> why can't Ubisoft just put Donovan in the name? Look, generate comes, a thing. Donovan <laughs> comes from from football money, but his son, his son's like in Brexit world. He's yeah. like, I've got to fight back. Absolutely, yeah. The legacy See you, the Dale. I'll send because because Clint follows me on Twitter. I'll send him a DM. <laughs> Thank you very and much. Say, can, can we just get Donovan in? That's Tell all we want. Lovely sure little you, brag in there. Make as sure well. you explain the legacy beforehand because he needs to know the value. Yeah. Of that. yeah. I'll send him some links to various podcasts so he can get the history going. Let's I make this happen. I, also, I think it's interesting. I've read some quite sniffy, you know, like it's always going to happen. With, yeah. You know, a game gets loads of attention. Then someone wants to write the op-ed that's the opposite. Exactly. Opinion. Like I've done that. It's a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You always want to have the new opinion. The sniffy stuff I've read, like apart from, oh, it's ridiculous that anyone can be a video game hero. It's like, it's a video game. Yeah. <laughs> um, why Why would this businessman have plus 35% melee damage? I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, the, one, the one thing I read that I just don't get, because I get that feeling of like, if you want full reality, whatever. Yeah. The one I don't get is people saying like, oh, I'm never going to connect to these characters because they can't be as well written as Marcus. And it's like, A, you spend less time with them, so you invest in a group. Yeah. And the group is what's important. But B, Marcus couldn't die. Yeah. Like, if he died, I restarted. Yeah. But if my characters can actually die, there's an element of like video game jeopardy that just doesn't exist in games Absolutely, like this. Like yeah. I cannot wait to feel yeah. anything. You scared of more it. attachment. To exactly, them. exactly. Because you they, get they this yours. Like, yeah. You have to spin that. Like they do get. I think the important thing to note is all of these people do sort of get their own stories because there is literally a cinematic campaign to this game yeah. Yeah. that just finds the characters that you've got and it looks at like what, what their gender is, what their race is, what their backgrounds are and there are various different pre-made cutscenes that, well I say not pre-made pre-made sections yeah. of cutscenes that all get stitched together so based good. on the characters that you're using. In, before the behind closed doors thing, yeah. they show you a video of the same cutscene happening 16 times at oh, the really? same time and it's going differently. That's so it's play, it, it plays for about the same length of time, uh -huh. but not exactly. And the characters are doing different things, saying things in different places. Like, it's really impressive. Yeah. And I know th th there's a valid point to say like, oh, well, I'm going to meet people with the same voices. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah. But if that's what defines your time yeah. with the one of what sounds like an incredibly complex systems-driven game, 
then you're kind of not engaging <laughs> with it properly. There's also hundreds of games where you can play through yeah. and get, you know, what the writer's vision was for a character. Yeah. Let's have a game that's not that. Let's yeah. have a game that's different. And it's oh, I'm so excited yeah, about it. Cannot mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. Anyway, Dominic also has, just as a final point, in a completely different vein, he recently learned that American Vandal is not being continued by Netflix despite the success of the show. I didn't know this and I'm fucking furious. <laughs> I mean, apparently it wasn't that much success though. Yeah. Clearly, uh, I think that that's some nonsense. I think, agreed. Uh, and I uh, was wondering what shows or games you think were discontinued way too soon and should be brought back. The Kessen series. The what? Kessen. <laughs> it was the people who, was the publisher of Dynasty Warriors. They made a strategy series called Kessen about Japanese feudal war. <laughs> and I fucking loved it. And there were, what, two or three? Rubbish. I want that to be an interminable series that other people hate. <laughs> Dale? Oh, I can't think of anything. Like, anything I think of... That's been cancelled. I usually think, yeah, that makes sense. It was, it was time to put it to rest. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, um, I mean, I've never watched it, so I don't know about this mm. one, but apparently, like, yeah, Deadwood was cancelled a bit. Well, they just released too- a movie that ca- yeah. wraps it all up. Right, so yeah, that's, that's fine, right, yeah. yeah. But I've always been intrigued by that show, and I always heard that, yeah, it was a bit of a, an abrupt ending. I think it's on Now TV now. Mm, I'll have to check it I'm out. I'm going to go for it. Um, yeah. No, I can't think of any mm. good examples. I would have, like community to get six seasons in a movie just uh, yeah, for the I would sake have, of it yeah even though like it was like it was properly petering out yeah. by that point but it would have been nice to have hit just for the meme yeah. basically mm. yeah um my recently my thing was um fucking uh, I, any of you watch scream queens no, no i never have Fuck it. that was uh one of ryan murphy's shows so the guy that did um like american horror story and stuff like that but it was a proper full-on like 1980s slash a comedy style show okay. with um Billy Lord was in it, so that's Carrie Fisher's daughter. Oh, cool. Uh, she was brilliant. It got um, Julia Roberts' niece. I can't oh, remember what Emma. Her, Emma Roberts, yeah. And it was very much like a bunch of very bitchy kind of people at a sorority house. But Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, like very properly doing the, the Halloween sort of stuff. Oh, okay. It was brilliant. Absolutely new. And that first season that was probably out about four years ago is completely dated now. You couldn't go back and watch it because it was so on the button of all the jokes of the time. Right, okay. But mm. nobody seemed to be watching it. Got axed, but I would have loved to see because just everything that's going on each year, there's new... In the same way that South Park can run with what's going on in sure, the current yeah. zeitgeist. Like, Screen Queens was that. It was so kind of like millennial on the button it like humour. It, it does date. Very, yeah, yeah, significantly. Yeah, yeah, but to see what that would be doing now would have been fun. Um, but classically, I always would have said Veronica Mars, but it's coming back yeah. to Hulu next month. Yeah, we've done it. <laughs> uh, right, that's quite enough of that. We're going to fuck off now. Uh, but to finish, we're kind of sort of giving up on on Garage a bit because yeah. we don't have any suggestions anymore. <laughs> it's also the jokes played out a little bit. Well, until DJ Spoonie presents Garage Classical, oh, yeah, of which course. we're going yeah, to yeah, in October, October obviously. Um, but for now, I, I like the musical bit at the end, so okay. I thought what we could do is just play tracks we really like at the moment, just as like a thing. Like, what track are you wanting to promote? I want to play uh, End Times, which is the song that plays at the end of every loop in uh, Outer Wilds. Okay, cool. And it is a fucking electronic doom banger. So <laughs> here's 30 seconds of that. Bye! Bye!